All right, welcome to Sober, Stories of Badgers Empowering Recovery. This is a podcast with the Wisconsin Voices for Recovery, and my name is Cindy Brzezinski, Director of Wisconsin Voices for Recovery. I'm a person in long-term recovery and have a background in both mental health and substance use disorder counseling and research. Wisconsin Voices for Recovery is a peer-run movement that helps unite people in recovery, their families, professionals, and allies. As a diverse coalition of recovery advocates, we serve as a statewide network to link services and support those in need. Joining me today are team members from the UW Health Hub and Spoke Program, a program that supports those diagnosed with an opioid use disorder. Welcome, and we look forward to talking with you today. Um, so to start, could each of you tell us a little bit about your background and role within the UW Health Hub and Spoke Program? Hello, my name is Caitlin Cole. I am the program manager for the Hub and Spoke program. I have been a nurse for 11 years, background in psychiatry, home health, case management. And uh, Dr. Shanda Wealth, she is not able to join, but she's also a manager of our behavioral health and primary care. And she oversees our behavioral health clinicians who can do short-term therapy and interventions for patients in the primary care setting focusing on patients with the diagnosis of anxiety, depression, and opioid use disorder. Hello, I'm Meg Cole. I am the Hub and Spokes Behavioral Health RN Care Coordinator. I have been a nurse for a little over seven years, um, background in long-term care and triage. I've been part of the Hub and Spoke program for about six months now. Hi, uh, my name is Joe Gailey. I am a CCAR trained recovery coach and a Wisconsin certified peer specialist. I work for Safe Communities and have been a part of the Hub and Spoke program for almost three years now. Um, I'm a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder and mental health conditions, so I can use shared lived experiences to help others navigate the healthcare system. Hello, my name is Rebecca Foss, and I am a peer support that's been with Safe Communities for four years and also a part of the Hub and Spoke program since its conception, and I am grateful to be here and to talk with you today. Hi, my name is Tom Carroll. I'm the program director at UW Health's uh, Behavioral Health and Recovery Clinic, and my background is as a licensed professional counselor and substance use counselor in Wisconsin. Great. Thank you, everybody. So great to have you here today. Could you give an overview of the new model of care UW Health is using to treat patients with opioid use disorder? Yeah, so the goal of our program is to increase access to medication for opioid use disorder for patients who are medically homed within UW Health. So our hub is our behavioral health and recovery clinic. It's addiction psychiatry, so more specialty level of care. And then our spokes are our primary care clinics. And we want to look at opioid use disorder like we would any chronic condition, diabetes, hypertension. So treating people in the medical home, patients can go back and forth between hub and spoke. So let's say they're maybe struggling a little bit more with frequent return to uses, having difficulty attending appointments, then we may refer them to our hub, Behavioral Health and Recovery Clinic, knowing that the goal is that they come back to primary care. Like we said, we treat it like any chronic condition and then our staff is coordinating between that hub and spoke. So coordinating with addiction psychiatry, primary care, and really no wrong door. So we get referrals from our emergency room, from the jail, from inpatient, 
And um, even our behavioral health and recovery clinic, patients that are stable, doing well, we may get referred to primary care then to continue their their care in that setting. Great. And um, in that, uh, as part of the Hub and Spoke um, program, um, what medicines do you prescribe for opioid use disorder? So in our primary care setting, we have a couple of options um, that we can give patients to help with their um, their use. Uh, we use uh, Suboxone, or we also have at one of our clinics, we have um, a buprenorphine injection called Sublocade. Um, and we also have uh, Naltrexone or Vivitrol. Um, UW does not provide methadone, um, but that is another option. And even if a patient decides like that they prefer methadone, they could still be part of our program. Um, to help with their recovery. And then they would just end up going to a different um, methadone um, site to uh, get that, um, that medication for MOUD. Great. And could you uh, talk a little bit about why this hub and spoke model was developed? Absolutely. Um, this is Joseph again. Um, originally, uh, Wisconsin Voices piloted uh, ED2 recovery program that Safe Communities was a part of. We helped pilot that. And shortly after we piloted, we kept uh, noticing we were responding to the emergency rooms and there was a lack of access to life-saving medications for people after they get released. Um, there was pretty much only one main place in town that was an um, opioid treatment provider that was outside. And some people had barriers of getting there every day um, there's also a lack of counselors and kind of good care there. So we thought it might be a good program to try to expand access to the medication and put it into some primary health care clinics and then add some different layers of care on top of that where they can go to a hub and then back in where they have access to a regular primary care provider and just a different structure. So to help break down barriers and stigma, I guess, is one of the main reasons this program was um, developed. Okay, thank you. And uh, you'd, you'd mentioned barriers. Um, could you describe a little bit some of the barriers that you're working to uh, get past with this model? The kind of outreach we do with the coordination with the BHRNCCs, it's right, there's like transportation, um, flexible times that people can come in to get that care. Um, really just building those relationships and trust too. Um, trust is always a big one with the stigma and shame. Um, so we really uh, meet people where they are at with their with their disorder without that stigma and shame and really help try to break those barriers. Um, some of the other barriers, too, might be help coordination of care. There's a lot of lack of that going on. So our team really does a well job of reaching out and helping other people talk to to, to really wrap around care for people. Thank you. And could you speak a little bit to how this model was developed for those that might be interested in developing a similar model at their organization? Sure, I can take that one. Uh, so I probably don't need to spend too much time talking about, you know, the opioid overdose crisis. And when uh, we were starting to look at this, this programming in 2019, at that point uh, in the last 20 years, uh, nearly 500,000 people had died from opioid overdose in, in the United States. And we know that uh, when the pandemic started, uh, that number only skyrocketed with the wide adoption of uh, fentanyl in 
some of the opioids that we were seeing in our in our population. So we knew that there was a need, um, and UW Health in particular uh, has a really interesting kind of potential role because we are a larger healthcare hospital system within East Central Wisconsin, and we have a population health. Uh, department that really focuses on looking at kind of social determinants of health across the whole population. So we had a, a, a really interesting viewpoint that maybe other hospital systems didn't. And as a result, uh, it allowed us to take a look at what uh, some of the other uh, larger academic hospital systems across the country were doing to try to combat opioid use disorders and, and the overdoses that we were seeing across the, across the country. And so uh, folks on our team started traveling to different places like Vermont, uh, where there was a hub and spoke model that was developed and other states as well to see how this was implemented. And we really wanted to understand the model and also then take that back to Wisconsin and understand what we needed to do differently here that worked in Vermont that we, that we might want to tweak. So, uh, you know, one of the things that was really clear is even though Increasingly, we know that there's really good evidence that medication for opioid use disorder saves lives and that it's, it's a really important, uh, it can be a really important component of a person's individualized treatment plan. We know that there's still stigma around these medications and uh, how they might affect people's recovery. And, you know, to a lesser extent, that is true for healthcare providers as well. And so we wanted to make sure that we were giving the people who uh, could prescribe this life-saving medication in the primary care setting, the tools that they needed to feel like they were supported. So I think that that's one of the most important things if someone is looking at trying to, trying to implement some of this work is to make sure that there's a team in place so that folks who are wavered in the primary care setting to be able to prescribe buprenorphine or other life-saving medication for opioid use disorder are, are feeling like they're supported. And so if things get a little bit... Uh, if, if the treatment becomes a little bit complex or the patient becomes more acute, there's a way for uh, that provider to reach out and get help. And so that's really the, at the core of the model. And the other piece of it, and I think Caitlin alluded to this really well uh, earlier, was the ability to be able to utilize our specialty care, addiction psychiatrists, addiction medicine specialists, those folks, uh, for the people who really, really need that care, that, that kind of uh, acute high level of, of care. And so as a result, uh, having a hub and spoke model allows folks who are coming from that hub, that specialty care, to be able to be stepped down to primary care because the primary care prescribers feel comfortable prescribing for people who maybe have a little bit of recovery uh, uh, under their belts. And so uh, that is also a huge benefit because then uh, the folks in specialty care can really focus on the people who really need their help the most. Great, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, could you describe how the program works start to finish, starting with how someone enrolls in the program? Yeah, so I can take that one as the behavioral health RN care coordinator um, because um, it is the role of the RN care coordinator. Um, as Caitlin had mentioned, how somebody's referred. Um, after that referral comes in, then um, my, my job is to kind of do that assessment to see where their needs are best met. So we can do that by doing like a, a chart review, looking at their past medical history, comorbidities. Do they have other mental health concerns? Um, what are their current medications? Are they receiving MOUDs somewhere else? If so, what? 
looking at past hospitalizations. And then really the biggest piece is, is uh, reaching out to the patient themselves, getting their you know use history. Where are they now? What are their goals? Um, and then that, you know, that can help us determine what level of care they need. Do they need a higher level of care like at the behavioral health um, and recovery? Do they, um, are they appropriate for uh, primary care? Um, if so, so let's say they did need a higher level of care, um, I would help them get um, in touch with behavioral health and recovery or another outside community um, resource. Um, if they are appropriate for primary care, then we work as a team between myself and the peer support specialist um, by doing kind of outreaches by phone, my chart, text. We also um, attend their office visits. Um, that helps us kind of provide, that helps us look at potential resources that they might need. Joe had touched on that as well. Um, you know, what are their, do they have food insecurities, housing issues? legal issues, um, medication issues, insurance, transportation. Uh, we work as a team to collaborate on getting them those resources. And that also helps us identify barriers that, you know, kind of might hinder the patient's ability to obtain and manage these needs. Um, some people, um, you know, once let's say they are stable and enough or in their, in our primary care program, um, the spoke site, um, we would help them, you know, with their, the prescribed, their MOUD, and they can be in their, in our program as long as they certainly need, as I had stated earlier, um, they can be in our program and not be receiving, um, any sort of medication for opioid use disorder. Um, maybe they're doing it somewhere else, like I said, with the methadone, um, and then once enrolled in our program, again, we just work as our team um, to provide that support. And then um, eventually, you know, we have great success in the fact that, you know, patients do become stable in the primary care setting. And, and they essentially, they graduate from our program where, where the spoke is, is, um, is there to help. So they might still be in primary care receiving their MOUD. Um, but they might just not need our support anymore. They're they're stable enough. And can you describe why this model is so important? Yes, sure. Um, I could probably spend hours talking why this is so important to me. But um, I think to sum it up, you know, opioid use disorder is, you know, a chronic health condition. So I think it should be treated as such. And treating it in primary care just creates more pathways to recovery. Um, you know, the hub and spoke model is probably not going to work for absolutely everybody, of course, but we, we just created another avenue and another pathway for people to get well. Um, I don't know if Rebecca has anything to add. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I really like how you alluded to that. I could spend hours as well. Um, you know, how Miss Meg was, was talking about how um, I think one of my most best things today is where I can work myself out of a job when a, when a person get stable and, and kind of well in their recovery. But, you know, she kind of described what that pathway and how that begins where she, it comes into the RNK SNAP manager and we do kind of a chart review and we look and then the peer's role, like what my role kind of looks like in that situation or when we're, when I'm first meeting with a peer is to kind of look at, well, what's worked in the past and what hasn't worked in the past. 
And then that role as a peer is because I'm coming in with shared lived experience and I don't have those, I say letters behind my name, right? I'm just a person that's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just like you, man, been there, done that. And how can I help you, especially what's, what I feel one of the best advantages, because we have this team approach where I've heard, you know, well, in the past, I've, I've met with therapists. I've met when I'm like, okay, I, I'm not here to say that that's what you should do. Tell me how I can help you look at something like that or to that. And then because we have this team approach, it's like, oh, by the way, our therapist, she's in today. Would Would you... Would you be comfortable talking to her today? Sometimes you get pushback. And then other times there, there's that pause where they're like, would you go with me? Absolutely. And it, it just helps to develop that possible look at how can I help my recovery and move forward. Joe and Rebecca, that was so, so well said. This is Tom again. I just wanted to interject as well that one of the reasons why this model I think is so important for Wisconsin in particular is uh, Vermont initially didn't have peer support specialists involved on the team. And so that was a very uh, intentional decision that we made that we really felt like that would be a very valuable addition for uh, you know patients who are in recovery to be able to have access to these peers with that, with that lived experience. Of, of what it's like to, to experience the struggles of, of addiction and concerns there. And it's been so helpful uh, and, and just such a, I think it was one of the best decisions that we made. Uh, and Joe and Rebecca have really, I think, helped to change a lot of lives as a result. I'm not that powerful, Tom. Don't give me that power. <laughs> <laughs> helped, helped, assisted other people to make positive okay. change in their lives, right? I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, thanks, Tom. And I think one of the, the biggest pieces is, you know, we learned that we do this with and not for. And it's it's just, um, mm. you know, it, it helps to kind of understand when we're we're listening and, and hearing what they're, sometimes that's what they're not saying. Like that example of, you know, there's a therapist here today, would you like to meet with them? And sometimes you hear this, mm, not today but it leaves the door open for their next visit or possibly, you know, two months down the line where they're, they've thought about it. They've seen how it might work. And then having that availability right there can sometimes turn that corner. Mm, So well said. Yeah. Sounds like a very, very helpful, very beneficial program. Um, Could you share some examples of successes of the program? I think this is Meg. I think the biggest success is the fact that we make these really great connections. And as Joe had mentioned, you know, without the stigma, um, without judgment, and that's really allowed us to um, really connect with the patients. And I think we've, um, I think Joe and I, well, even Rebecca recently, we've had patients who've had a return to use and they're still completely engaged with our program. Um, in the past, we've noticed that um, when patients uh, return to use, that we, we kind of stop hearing from them. They, you know, they disengage, but we've managed to make these really um, important connections and patients, though, you know, have returned to use are still completely engaged with us, reaching out for help, um, looking for emotional support, and we've been able to create that that situation. And I think that's 
one of the you know great successes of this program and a testament to all of the hard work that we're putting in to create those relationships and to see that that's you know that that part is is pretty successful i i have one little success too that i can bring up um i was originally working with a gentleman um approximately my age about 40. Uh, I was working with him in the community for a few years and and he was involved in treatment court. So we were always going to that. I helped him in the community with other different kinds of programs and treatment options and everything was always um, pretty challenging. He had a lot of anger issues, always firing providers, no trust. Um, came to trust me and we had a great relationship. Eventually we got him uh, enrolled in the hub and spoke program. And again, we were able to wrap around care and, and use like our ability to reach out to different providers and get everybody talking. And he started getting on a good path and he felt heard. He felt seen. Um, he was showing up. He trusted in our team. And eventually he was able to finish treatment court successfully. He graduated. Uh, Caitlin and I were able to be a part of that graduation. And I still get to go to treatment court and, and he's on the other side with, with like, um, the team and the providers and he has his own chair and it's, it's, it's really, it's really rewarding to see other people change their life around with the right kind of structure and, and team. I could throw in a little bit of an underrated success that sometimes happens as well. And that is that there are sometimes, um, people who struggle with opioid use disorder who don't always feel, uh, super comfortable about going to a primary care uh, provider at all. And uh, in the situations in which uh, we've experienced that, maybe they're comfortable coming in to do some therapy or, uh, or get their medication for opioid use disorder um, at a recovery clinic, but um, they've had some bad experiences with primary care. Uh, and in those situations, uh, we get to say, uh, hey, you know, you're doing pretty well. And would, would it make sense for us to connect you with your PCP uh, to continue some of this care with them? And sometimes the patient will say, well, that person is my primary care provider on paper, but I never really go, or I don't have one at all. And then we get to say, oh, actually, maybe we can hook you up with a primary care provider at one of our hub and spoke test of change clinics. And these are people who understand opioid use disorder. It, it'll be okay. They don't, you're not gonna experience any stigma that maybe you felt before or whatever. And uh, so we get this little bonus of being able to engage patients in taking care of other healthcare concerns at the primary care level uh, because they are connecting with a provider who they are willing to, to, to go out on a limb and trust a little bit. And so that I think is a little bit of a bonus that helps just keep Wisconsinites healthier in general when it happens. A lot of great successes um, you all have been sharing. It really speaks to the positive impact of the program. Um, so the program, as you had mentioned before, uh, is focused on opioid use disorders. And what other use disorders could you treat using this program? Or what, what use disorders do you treat using this program? Yeah, this is Caitlin. Right now, um, we are just focusing on opioid use disorder. However, if a patient is also struggling like with methamphetamine use and they have opioid use disorder, we treat the whole person, right? So we're going to still support them. Our goal would be to eventually expand to other use disorders, but at this time, um, really just focusing on the opioid use disorder given you know all the recent opioid use overdose deaths. Um, 
but I should say, I think I'll answer this in another question too, but for our addiction psychiatry or behavioral health and recovery clinic, patients can be seen there with other use disorders. They just wouldn't necessarily be referred then to um, the support of like the behavioral health R and care coordinator and the peer support specialist within our specific hub and spoke model. Thanks for calling that out. Okay, thank you. And who would qualify for enrollment into this program? Yep, so the kind of the basics, person does have to have a diagnosis of opioid use disorder. And for, like I said, that entire team support has to have a primary care provider at the three of our spoke clinics that we're supporting right now, which is our UW Health DeForest Windsor site, UW Health Yahara Family Medicine, and UW Health Yahara Integrative Family Medicine, which they're both in the same clinic at our Monona Clinic off of um, East Broadway. And like I said, depending on insurance, anyone can be referred to our the hub, the Behavioral Health and Recovery Clinic. They just then are assessed based on insurance and what their needs are. And are there any next steps for continued development of this program? And if yes, could you describe? Yeah, so our, our goal is to expand to other primary care sites within UW Health, and our future development is currently in the works. Thank you. And if, if anybody would like to hear more about the program, learn more about it, or find if they qualify for enrollment, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, so I can um, share our, so we have a, a phone number, which is 608-821-1544. Our behavioral health R and care coordinators try to answer that live. There is a voicemail. You can, if you get to voicemail, it tells you, you know, leave your name, date of birth, etc. I can also share my email if someone would want to reach out or ask further questions. That is kcole, C-O-L-E, at uwhealth.org. And Caitlin, I'll, I'll give the number for Behavioral Health and Recovery Clinic, if that's okay. Perfect, yes. So this is just our, our uh, mental health and substance use uh, specialty care clinic for UW Health. And the phone number here is 608 282 8270. Uh, we, we do ask that you be in the state of Wisconsin, uh, but we do quite a bit of telehealth. So uh, you don't need to be necessarily uh, in Dane County. Great. Thank you all so much. Does anyone have any uh, final, final words or comments to add? No, this is Caitlin. I really appreciate um, your reaching out and thanks for including us on this podcast today. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. This has been a great, great conversation. Thank you so much. It was great to um, hear your experience um, on the Hub and Spoke program. Yes, thank you for the opportunity today. Thank you.